All right, welcome to another episode of the Between Two Divs podcast with your boy Cam. Man, this year has been going by really fast. It's already June now. I mean, June, yeah. So it's June already when last year, you know, I felt like everything was going real fast. I mean, what going real slow, actually. I don't know why I said real fast, but last year was going real slow. This year is going real fast. And before you know it, you're going to be over. So I know a lot of us, you know, we ready to get out, go out and enjoy ourselves. Cause I know last year was a, was a downer for a lot of people, at least for me. And this year, I feel like everyone's getting their vaccines, everyone's getting vaccinated. And, you know, we're going to, you know, slowly get back to how it was before. It probably never be exactly how it was, but, you know, as close as it can be. So I appreciate all y'all showing love to my podcast, all the love, all the reviews I'd be getting. I couldn't do it without y'all. And, you know, the rest of the year is going to be real cool, too, because I got a lot of surprising guests I'm going to have on this podcast that I think y'all already love as well. But without further ado, though, I got a guy that, man, I've been, you know, following his Twitter and, and I love just how inspiring he is and how many gems he be giving to people. And I just wanted to have him on here, you know, to show him some love. And also he got some stuff going on, you know, in a couple of weeks that I think a lot of y'all will be interested in. So y'all should definitely check this dude out. But without further ado, Michael was good. Hey, how you doing, Cam? Yeah, I agree with you totally. I don't think we're going to go totally back to what they quote unquote normal. So I'm looking forward to the new normal, the new, new normal, because the new normal is quarantine and all of that. But I like the new, new normal, which is somewhere in between. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, you know, I know a lot of people maybe don't know your story, or your journey. Tell people more about like your tech journey. Like, how did you get started in tech? <laughs> it all started with a Christmas gift from my grandmother, uh, my nana, as I call her. And she bought a Tandy 1000. I'm, I'm from the era where you actually know the, the model and number. But uh, I was all of eight years old, and uh, it was love at first sight. My mom said, oh, before you can use it, you have to learn how to use it. So you have to read the manual. <laughs> I'm, I'm eight years old holding a DOS manual, learning how to, you know, navigate the directories and stuff like that. But my uh, introduction to programming was uh, there was a magazine called Compute. And at the back of the magazine, they had code listings. You type it in, you get a free game. And free was the magic word for me. So I'm typing in basic. And, you know, if you make a mistake, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a long, long road of uh, finding and poking around, especially since I didn't really know what the meaning of what I was typing in was. But over, after a few times of doing this, I started realizing patterns. And and uh, so, uh, you know, it just grew from there. You know, I took a uh, help desk job in college, put some change in my pocket, and then uh, in summer internship. And then um, I moved into the, into the world of IT. I started as a uh, network administrator but my passion was always programming, you know. And so, uh, you know, when the first programming opportunity came for me, I jumped on it. And it's been uh, been about 25 years of, of since then. And I joined Microsoft two years ago where I work at uh, in the CSC org. What we do is help our, help our customers uh, adapt and leverage Windows. Windows Azure and 
and other uh, our other services and offerings. And it's so exciting because, you know, it's at a scale, you know, you're doing things at the scale that people talk about, you know, it's like, well, so like, you know, some people are like excited about, you know, like, oh, I got, I did a system that does 10,000 transactions a second. And, you know, like for a sample, the low balance test, we, we were doing 12 million rows in an hour, you know, so. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's exciting. So, you know, my journey wasn't necessarily straightforward. I didn't, you know, I never really had a, a mentor in my career. And basically, you mentioned that I, I give a lot of advice and, and insight. I'm just trying to provide the support that I wish I had when I was uh, starting my career and, you know, practically my entire journey. Yeah, that's a good point you made about like giving advice to help people that maybe kind of have a, a better start than maybe you had. Cause I know a lot of times, like, you know, even with me, I know my journey is kind of un unconventional too. Like, like if people like ask me, like, how did you get your start in tech or whatever? I'm like, honestly, I was jumping around a lot. Like I, I was a guy where like, I kind of knew what I wanted, but I didn't know how to get there. Cause I think a lot of times people are so worried about trying to get to where they want to be that they lose sight on like, just get there. Like, it don't matter how you get there, just get there. Because if you focus on like just a one size fits all approach to doing something, you're probably not going to succeed or, you know, be as persistent in trying to get stuff done because there are going to be roadblocks along the way that's going to try to stop you from getting there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So Michael, uh, you know, to kind of talk more about another point you made before talking about like how long you've been in tech, which is, you know, over 25 years. What is like one thing that you probably didn't expect or one thing that's changed the most since you since you've actually started? Because I know like the tech has changed dramatically, you know, even the last 10 years, probably even five years, really, to be honest with you. Um, so what I've noticed is that we repeat things a lot. You know, we rediscover the wheel very frequently <laughs> in technology. So, you know, after after a few cycles of that, you start noticing the the patterns and trends. Of course, there's greater things that are able to do because of the continuous march of, of technology. But right now, we're, uh, we've gone from, I remember software as a service, for example, before the cloud and things like that, there were multiple attempts at doing something like this. Like there was what's called uh, ASPs, Apple, Microsoft ASP. It was like a application service providers, not ASP as an application service page. And basically the idea is that they wanted to give you a desktop experience on the web. And it's popped up a few times, you know, and this is before me, but the cloud utility computing, it was already a similar thing when um, large banks would have their mainframes and they were just sitting there idle. They'd say, okay, well, you know, we can lease out time to to other people who need need a powerful computer to crunch some numbers. So um, it was called time sharing back then. Like that, that's before me, but, you know, I read about it. And then like, you know, one of, I was an early adopter for WPF and Silverlight. And one of the major patterns that was really big for that, for those platforms was what's called a, uh, model view view model or presentation model 
And, you know, as I was researching, I was, I actually had a <laughs> publishing contract for a book that I never completed because as I was diving into it, it just exploded. And, and you know, the elephant didn't seem as easy to break down into bite-sized chunks. So, but, um, you know, as I was learning about it, you know, I learned about the original MVC papers and it was, it was by a researcher at Xerox who really just basically defined object-oriented programming in a nutshell. And it was all there. And, you know, like years later, you see things like domain-driven design. We have a new pattern called um, event modeling, where it pretty much derived from this, this other technique called color modeling, where you're, or event storming is what it's called, but color modeling where you say, okay, Hey, let's focus on the events in our systems and and the patterns that these events are designed. I did a talk on that, and at the same time, I was first exposed to event storming, and I'm like, oh, this sounds like the <laughs> similar concept with a new approach, a new, a new way to leverage technique. So, yeah, like I said, the the biggest well, I guess it's not a surprise, but the biggest realization I've had over my career is that things repeat themselves. And if you pay attention, you'll see the pattern and be able to anticipate and take advantage of, of the upcoming wave. Yeah, that, that's a good point about things repeating itself. I think you could apply that to like almost anything, like whether it's fashion, television, just tech in general, like just everything kind of like if you follow the pattern, like you said before, you can kind of figure out a way to maybe remix what's already been done before because almost everything has been done. It's just a lot of times we're finding a way to do it better than it was before, which that's how, you know, you make the big bucks. You know, if you find a better way to do something that's already, you know, something that people use every day. Right. But to kind of switch gears to another point that I kind of wanted to talk about is, you know, I know you've been doing this for a while, you know, you're pretty much know your way around probably most things at this point, especially, you know, you've been, yeah, as a developer, you know, as an engineer, software engineer, what is one thing that maybe someone that maybe is trying to get from maybe being a junior to being a mid-level or senior, what's like the biggest difference you, you think in your eyes? Because I know a lot of times we, we hear these titles, right? But it's kind of like, you know, people don't know, okay, what point do I become a mid-level engineer? Is there one time period that you feel like you, you just become one or is it like just like a, a job title? Like, like what, do you, what do you think about that? So I think, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, like, of course, it varies throughout the industry. You know, I've seen people be given it or have a senior title after three to four years in the, in the industry. And it makes me curious sometimes, but I don't think there's necessarily a timeline for it. I think it, it, it's a matter of maturity and capability, you know, so like, I definitely feel like Get, definitely get comfortable with a language, make one your bread and butter and dive deep into it. Not so much so that you've uh, memorized all the APIs and stuff, but where if someone's asking you to do something, you can basically say, okay, I know there's this concept here in this framework. Let me do a Google and find it. And, you know, I, I remember I was helping a, uh, a, a more junior developer with an issue they were having and, and they asked me a question. I'm like, okay, well, I think what you want is 
is XYZ. And so I did a Google for that. And he's like, well, I was looking for that all the time. And all you did was you knew the right words to Google. I'm like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty much, you know, the difference is like understanding what the concepts and what they're called. And then like, as you get comfortable with one language, you need to like explore other languages that, and see how, how, because most of them feed off of each other, you know, it's like, you know, you'll see, uh, C sharp is my, my, my primary. We've adapted things from functional languages. You know, it started from, it started as a pretty much a Java clone because Java didn't want want us, want Microsoft to adopt it. And, and, you know, there was a whole lawsuit about it. But look at different languages, different paradigms, and those will make you more, it'll broaden your horizons and make you more capable as a developer. I think always looking for something and this is what, when, whenever I work with someone in terms of entering or growing as a developer, I say, look for a question on like a form like Stack Overflow, and, but look for a question that you can't quite answer, but that you can research and get the answer to, do the research, get the answer, and that helps you learn more. Do that like once a day, maybe, or at, at a minimum, three, three times a week. And, you know, I also say, go ahead and make a blog post about it because that will build up your presence and your knowledge. And it gives evidence what you're doing. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, you do that for a year. You, you'll answer like a bunch of questions, you'll have a bunch of blog posts and you'll grow as well. And I think that's what I've heard is like intentional practice. You can do the, uh, the code tatas and other other uh, programs out there, but I think like solving real world problems and adding that knowledge to your repertoire is what helps you grow as a developer. Yeah, that's good advice. Like I've never heard anyone say that. Like, so like, honestly, I'm, I'm going to probably apply that myself, to be honest with you, because I know there'll be some times where I'll be stuck on something, you know, that maybe I don't know the answer to. And if I like maybe apply what you said, I probably eventually would get back to knowing the answer to it because I've already answered so many questions before, because like you said, a lot of the stuff feeds off each other. So eventually, you know, if it's a common question that's asked on Stack Overflow, you'll be able to eventually be able to figure out something down the road that will apply to what you're, you're looking for. So yeah, that's great advice. So anyone listening at home, like, like if you want to make any bullet point of anything that was said on this episode, definitely listen to that one. That one that's great advice. Like I, like I already said going in, I was like, this guy going to give a lot of gems. You know, if you're at the casino, this is like one of those times where you just get that hit the jackpot and it's like clink, clink, clink. Yeah, that's, that's the time that you want to make sure that you you listen. Like if you got to replay this part over and over, you know, do it because you're going to probably make a lot of money just following this advice alone because I'm sure, you know, this helped you a lot over the years as well, applying the same advice as you're telling uh, the listeners. Yeah, I mean, that, that was actually my trick. I would take about an hour a day and answer Stack Overflow questions or try to find the answer for it. And, you know, like, it doesn't even, you don't even have to be, be the first to answer. You know, like, it's, it's, it's mostly an exercise for yourself. Even if the answer is already there, go ahead and, and, and answer it. And, you know, the other trick I, I like to apply is, like, 
you know, create a pet project. For me, it was a uh, fantasy football. And as I was learning, whenever I'm learning something new, a new technique or a new approach, I try and apply it to that pet project. So when I was the first time I like made a full, made it into a full like website, I used Python <laughs> because, uh, because there was a nice library that like scraped the uh, data from NFL.com and, and it, uh, happened to be in Python. So I'm like, okay, I might as well learn Python now. <laughs> and being able to do, like, th- there's been so much magic from doing stuff like this. You know, I did I did a, a practice when I said, okay, well, I need to learn ASP.NET MVC because it seems to be the next thing. And it was like 2010. And I applied this approach and tried to learn it and learn the idioms and learn how to, how other people were using it. And then like a few weeks later, someone approached me and said, hey, I've got this client who wants to transition their classic ASP app to ASP.NET MVC, and they want to use Entity Framework and DDD and blah, blah, blah. And, like, and he said, can you whip up a quick sample for this scenario? And I did it over the weekend, and they're like, okay, well, yeah, come on board and lead this team and help, help us apply this uh, technique. Out of the blue, I you know picked up a project because I was proactive in my learning. Yeah, I say this all the time, and I know you mentioned this as well. Just putting yourself out there is like so important because if people see that you're learning and you're actively applying those skills, people will reach out to you. Like you don't have to be a quote unquote expert, you know, because some people think you got to be an expert to be able to get paid to do things, right? When nine times out of 10, you probably know more than, you know, most people do. You know, you just, sometimes we get in our own way. Like I know with me all the time, I'll work on something and I'll be like, man, this, this is garbage. Like there's no way anyone's going to pay me to, to what I'm, you know, what I know. Right. But there's someone that will pay you for what you know. You just got to just put yourself out there and trust the process because you probably know a lot more than you think you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I learned about uh, what's called metacognition and the Denning-Kruger paradox. Basically, the more you know about something, the more you tend to rank yourself lower on the scale than what you actually know. You know, they ask people like, hey, on a scale of one to 10, what do you know about this? And they're like, "Uh, I'm a seven. And they take, you know, they take a standardized test or something that everyone in the in the in the study takes and you know they'll end up in the top 90 percentile you know so like at least a nine and then there are people who like know very little and they'll be like oh well yeah i'm like a nine or a ten and it's like when they take the test they're like yeah probably in the lower quartile you know so that's the curse of growing as a technologist or in any field is that you know what you don't know but what you don't know is how many people, where you lie on the scale of like how much you know versus everyone else. You know, like you're saying, oh, well, I don't know all of this material, but the material you do know probably puts you in the top 8%. That's why I like sites like Pluralsight and other sites that, you know, let you take a test and really, and really like, like see where you stand on the scale in terms of proficiency and see where you can, where you can improve as well. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I always tell people, like, if you can find a mentor, because a lot of times a mentor can kind of lead you in the right direction as well. 
if say for instance, you know, you know stuff, right? But you may need, you know, need stuff here and there to kind of get you to that next level. The mentor can kind of set you straight. And also times where maybe you don't think that you're ready for something, they'll be like, hey, you're ready for this. Just just do it. Because, you know, like I said before, imposter syndrome is real. Anyone listening at home, like just do do whatever you want to do, just do it. Because things gonna play itself out. Like if you work hard at whatever you're doing, you'll eventually achieve those results. It may not happen as fast as you want them to, but if you put in the work, you put in the hours, like you're going to eventually get that job or eventually get that new position or eventually get that amount of money that you want in your life because you're putting in that work. So, so don't be discouraged. Like, you know, I know right now there's a lot of people in my circles that are discouraged that they're not getting callbacks or interviews, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And I think it's just, you just got to just keep going hard. Just keep uh, applying and keep, you know, working on projects, keep working on pet projects, keep working on stuff to put yourself out there because eventually someone's going to take a chance on you and eventually you're going to get that position. So, so anyone listening at home, just stay at it and things don't work out. Oh yeah, definitely. But to talk about my, my next point, I know you got a conference coming up. I know we talked about this before we, we, we hit the record button. Um, you got the Juneteenth conference. What's about that? Like, can you tell people, the people that don't know about that conference, like what's it all about? Oh yeah. So last year, you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic and shortly after uh, George Floyd was murdered, we just passed, passed the anniversary of that event. And it just happened to be the, uh, my anniversary of joining Microsoft on June 2nd. So I was like, just thinking to myself, okay, um, what can I do to really mark this event for me, you know, and celebrate it? Well, Blackish was on and they were doing the Juneteenth episode. I'm like, oh yeah, Juneteenth is coming up. And I'm like, oh, it's just two weeks away though. I don't know if we, <laughs> we can do anything. So my first plan was to like, just put everything in place so that we could do it this year. And I was like, no, let's, let's go ahead and just put it out there. And I, um, I tweeted that I'd like to, get the event started and there was a huge response to it and and the you know the first conference went way beyond my wildest dreams this year we're going to change the format a little bit and it's going to be a series of um a series of roundtable discussions you know last year it was like all about highlighting the the black excellence in tech was was the uh, message and we put on a, a showcase of talent, basically, you know, Angie Jones joined us as a, a keynote speaker. And it was, I was just blown away by, you know, the response. First, I was like, okay, we'll do a day and like, you know, maybe have five or six talks, but it ended up turning into two tracks, two days. And just, we had like over 20 hours of content on the, uh, on the YouTube of people just giving quality talks on everything from AI mental health through journaling is just amazing if you know like i happen to be the person who like catalyzed it but like what the end result was an effort of like you know like 30 volunteers behind the scenes and and of course all the speakers who uh who came out and provided their uh their voice to the effort and it felt like it was something that was needed the, re- the community responded very well and we're we're keeping the, keeping that energy this year. We're gonna have a, a town hall on basically okay, it's a year later, what's happened, what hasn't happened. And 
you know, then we're going to have several roundtable discussions about getting into the field. We have a Black Women in Tech roundtable, and we'll have a few others that uh, just to just to change the format a little bit. I know it worked well, but we all knew that there was a lot of Black talent and a lot of well-informed and and skilled professionals, and we wanted to break the break that story that, you know, like, oh, they're not out, you know, the pipeline is closed. And the proudest moment was that I was able to say, okay, I'm not going to speak because there's so much other great, great talent out there. You know, like I submitted my own session and I'm like, okay, well, I don't think I I meet the, you know, it would have been a good talk, but, you know, I think I wanted to let everyone else share their voice and and highlight them. And a few of our speakers, you know, actually got follow-up work as a result of talking on Juneteenth. And that's my proudest accomplishment there is that we were able to like put people out there who were able to, you know, they got, they got paid speaking engagements, got contracts with large companies. And it's just amazing. And so like, I want to keep that energy for this conference but make it more of a, a conversation rather than just a, a training, a traditional tech training conference. Yeah, that's dope. And, and, I, and I feel like, and I'm going to be biased because my podcast is kind of like that as well. Like it's, I like to have, I think conversation just, I think run better in my personal opinion, because I think a lot of conferences, they kind of follow that format of, of just teaching, but not having conversations because I think conversations is, it's almost as important as just, just teaching whatever you're trying to teach because, you know, you get different perspectives. And, and like you said, actually what your conference is doing is, is, is creating opportunities for others as well that maybe wouldn't have gotten a look or maybe you don't got as many opportunities. Because I know I got some stuff going on, you know, in my city that I'm trying to do because diversity is still a big issue where I'm at. And I want to be able to, to showcase a lot of the black talent, you know, in my city because, they're out there. It's just, if you, you know, wouldn't know about it, you wouldn't even see them because they, they kind of are in their own different section of doing things as opposed to kind of being showcased, you know, in these big events, you know, in my city. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Before I get to my last point, where can people uh, sign up? If they want to sign up for this conference. We we're launching our event right page today for sign up, but everything is going to be at uh, com. We've already, we've got the landing page and we're going to update it with information. Also follow our Twitter at JuneteenthConf. And, then, you know, I'll also be making announcements on my personal Twitter at Brownie Points. All right, cool, cool. I appreciate, you know, you you getting on the podcast. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule because I know you got a lot of stuff going on. But like I said, I really appreciate you showing love and you coming on here. And I hope all the people listening Hopefully I'll go to the conference as well. Is there anything else you want to plug before we, we end this episode? No, no, no. I think uh, we talked about a lot. There's, that, that's about it on my mind. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, so so everybody, hopefully y'all staying safe. Y'all be easy. You know, like I said, the summer's right around the corner. Hopefully y'all enjoy yourselves. And I'll see y'all next time. Until then, bye. Bye.